This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Charlotte Myers was raised in Kennesaw, Georgia, and later moved to Provo, Utah to attend BYU where she met her husband, Chase, and she received a bachelor's degree from BYU in communications. She and her husband were married in 2008 and they now have four children together. They currently reside in St. George, Utah. Charlotte was diagnosed with breast cancer two years ago and has been fighting the good fight with startling optimism ever since. I'm Tara McCausland, and I want to welcome our listeners and welcome Charlotte onto the podcast. Charlotte, thank you for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Now, I believe we are all bestowed with spiritual gifts to sustain us through mortality's challenges. What would you say is one of your spiritual gifts? Um, I think one of my main gifts is just the gift of believing and the gift of faith. I've never really wanted to question. I've always just taken it and understood it. And and if I didn't completely understand it, I would research it and study it and get a better, get a better understanding of it before pushing it off to the side and not really caring. I've, I've never had an issue with questioning the Lord's commandments or the different things that have come out in conference from our prophets. I've, I've just always understood and believed and continued on and I've never comprehended the confusion that can happen for people that don't so easily believe. You were diagnosed with breast cancer two years ago. What was the date? November, Monday, November 13th. So now I have a slight superstition with Monday the 13th because (laughs) I was also restaged on Monday, August 13th of 2018. So now I don't do Mondays. I'll do Fridays, but that makes sense. <laughs> but you were so you were diagnosed about two years ago. Can you tell me about your initial reaction to that diagnosis and the role that that gift of faith or believing has played then and now as you navigate this serious challenge? Um, so it was a Monday. Monday, November 13th, and we were supposed to be going to see my parents in Atlanta for Christmas, bring the kids out there, and I had some um, vouchers to use from Delta. They wouldn't let me use them on the phone for some reason, so I had to go down to the St. George Airport, a 10-minute drive. I showed up and took a little while. I had two kids kind of running around, not not helping out any, but we finally got somebody to help me. We bought some tickets. We got a decent rate on them, and I was really excited. Everything went pretty well. And then I had gotten a phone call from a surgeon. He had, the week before, he had um, pulled out some, aspirated some juices out of my cyst. That was kind of the conclusion, was that it was a cyst, and they wanted to take out the juice and let it shrink. But it had grown, it grew back within 24 hours, and the surgeon had pulled out more liquid than he thought should have come out. So he felt inspired. He said to send it in and get it tested, which he 
rarely ever does. So then I had missed a phone call while I was talking to the Delta representative at the airport. So I checked my voicemail and it was somebody from his office and it had said, um, Dr. Myers would like to come and meet with you. Would you be able to come at lunchtime? Please call our office and you know let us know if that would work for you. We'd like to see you as soon as possible. So I thought, oh, that's weird. Oh, and they also mentioned, make sure you bring your husband. So I thought, oh, well, you know, they knew that it was quite a rough go for me to get the needle into the cyst. I have always had a fear of needles. Um, at 14, I was hiding under a table for um, getting some booster shots for high school, trying to get on the high school s- sports teams. So I just thought, oh, he just knows, like, he's got to do more cutting or whatever, so have the husband there, and he'll be there to support her. So anyways, so then we found some babysitters for the kids, um, and then we headed into the office as soon as we could, and we just um, we just went into a regular doctor's room. All the TV shows show there's a nice fancy desk, and you've got this nice setting, really great place to hear some bad news so we're just sitting in a patient's office room and he starts talking about the history of breast cancer and I'm thinking Chase why is he even discussing this with me this makes no sense we're like 20 minutes into the conversation and I'm like what does this have to do with me I don't understand and then that's when he said you have breast cancer I was like so that's why we're sitting here and you're telling me all these things he's like yes did you not hear that? I'm like, no, you know, just kind of, I was just thinking about the mom stuff. Like, okay, I got the airplane tickets done. Next step, I've got to get lunches ready. You know, just going through the standard checklist. Um, so when that happened, I was just kind of confused and just in a daze. And Chase is just looking at me like, what do you mean you didn't know what he was talking about? So it was just, um, I don't know, it just took a minute. And so then we remember we got to the car and he's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I got to get groceries. So let's go get the groceries now. Cause I just, I was just stunned and I didn't know what to do. And then at that point I realized, you know what? I've got to pray. And so I just remember I said a prayer in my heart and I just like, honey, what are we going to do? We can't like, this doesn't make any sense. And I guess then I started worrying about losing my hair and all the different things. And then I was like, you know what? I can't do it. And I just started feeling like I was underwater. I felt like I couldn't breathe anymore. And he just started feeling like you were just tossed and turned and I just, I, I, I didn't know what to do. And so then my husband stopped and he's like, okay, we're just gonna get you something to eat. So he ran and just, we stopped in the parking lot of Jamba Juice and he got me a Jamba Juice. And I thought, okay, well, at least I've got some food in me to survive for a little bit longer. While we start, you know, discussing things, I called my mom and I told her the news. And then as soon as we kind of started opening up to people, um, that's when I think a lot of the miracles started. Um, Because it was really hard to try and swim um, under such a strong current. And then as soon as we started telling a few friends, close friends and family members, and then stepping out of the close friends and um, also going to extended family members and letting um, a lot of people know about what was going on. 
And then that was when the prayers started. And that was when um, we weren't alone. We, I felt like I was lifted up out of the water. And it was just a... Ever since then, I haven't felt as if I've been underwater. I felt as if I've been carried and lifted quite a few places that, um, that I shouldn't have been. But I know that it's because of different prayers from all sorts of faiths and people that maybe don't even believe in God, but that have just sent me messages saying, um, sending good thoughts to you today or love and concern just started pouring in. And that is when um, it wasn't so hard anymore. It was, I could breathe. I, I felt fine again. That's incredible, Charlotte. And I love how you talk about how you felt the prayers. Prayer is a, is a simple thing, but the, the power that it can bring into our lives is very real. It is a real power. Just like when we plug into a socket, there is real power there. We don't see it, but we can feel it. It must feel a little bizarre. That may not be the right word, but um, strange to be straddling life and the reality of death. You are living so intentionally. I love that you're going to Disneyland and you've got your bucket list. How many places have you been uh, we, in the last two years? <laughs> we checked off um, way too many in the last probably 10 months. We did. We had been planning on a 10-year anniversary trip to Italy, which we purchased the day before I got restaged for stage 4 cancer. And then we decided that I had always wanted to do the Rockettes, so we went to New York for Christmas that same year that we would never do two major trips back-to-back. We did a major Disney trip from um, this wonderful community supporting us and um, helping fund that that amazing trip for my kids because it had always been a dream for us to take them to Disneyland. And I'd heard so many good stories about families going, and it's the happiest place on earth, and I just thought that's so many lines... I can't be happy, um, but it ended up being quite a magical trip for those kids. It was just something that they loved and they enjoyed and their smiles were there every day. And so then as soon as that happened, we kind of had to get some season passes, which we've been enjoying just taking them back and kind of reliving that. So we've t- And then we've done little trips, like we've done an RV trip that I've always wanted to do, just to... Three, three nights, nothing exciting, going to a couple national parks, um, but we've really enjoyed each other and adventured together as a family and um, put more uh, adventures and experiences and family memories for our children and making sure that they know that we, we put all of our efforts into them and we weren't putting our efforts into building a, a magnificent home and buying a brand new car. Those weren't the priorities, that the priorities were the memories for the children and, and being able to spend that time with them and let them know that no matter what's happening outside in the world, that we have the six of us together. As I had said, you, you are living so intentionally and I, I've been just so impressed by that and watching you the last couple of years, but you're also actively preparing for, for possible early end. And so you've already spoken to this, but is there anything else that you might say about how 
this experience has shifted your priorities and how you you spend your time on a day-to-day basis? I have been blessed with some wonderful neighbors um, that go to to Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they have really helped me do some things that I don't have to do as a you know, as a mom, you're supposed to be doing laundry and cleaning and cooking and taking care of some of the family needs, I suppose you could call them. Um, but we've had neighbors come in once a week to help me clean my home. So then those two hours that they spend helping with washing sheets or bathrooms or floors, I can now take that time and spend it coloring with my kids or doing play-doh or taking them to the park or just doing things to help me also I've been really focusing on exercising just because to I wanted the drugs to be able to work properly in my body and to be able to fight um, with as, as strong of a body as that I can and to be able to put more um, healthy things in there not that we were eating terrible but there's always room for improvement no matter where you're at. And we've been focusing on more of the good things. And we've also just been saying no as well. I'm not used to saying no. I've always wanted to do everything and be involved in everything that I can do with my kids. Um, so instead, I'm like, you know what? Sorry, friends. I'm going to go and volunteer at my kids' school because my kids, I want them to know that I went to school and I went and read books with them and that and then I think that's what matters that's what will matter to them in their adult lives is that they'll look back and see that mom spent her time um not at lunch or going shopping which I've been doing that too but they see that mom has been spending her time uh, making things for them and going to the schools and supporting their teachers and being able to help them and eating lunch with them at school too. I've been trying to just do um, what would what they'll remember and what will matter to them in the future. And we've also been just trying to think of different keepsakes that I, I really hope and plan on giving to them, um, like a little keychain or something for when they turn 16 and they get to get their first set of keys or or maybe when they get a key to the house, I don't know. Um, or like a little locket. My girls are kind of into lockets right now. Or a tie for my son for his baptism. So kind of little things, um, but that'll also make a big mark for them in the future. And then I've also been trying to write um, letters to each of my children. A friend gave me these little books and the pages fold out into an 8 by 10 paper and then they fold back up into like an envelope that you can seal and rip out of this book. And so each book has 12, so that's 48 letters I've been trying to write. I have gotten to, um, each kid has 8 right now, so I still have 16 to go. But they're just all sorts of things from um, being patient with your in-laws to you've had a bad day or you know you're you're doing a great job being a mom don't don't sweat it and then also things about going to young women's camp and being involved in the youth program 
and kind of things that that mattered to me um, growing up or looking back what kind of stood out to me different highlights in my life of what I wanted my kids to know about me and then also including um, different stories for them and I've never been a good journal keeper so I guess I'm trying to catch up and hurry and do some of these things Um, but I have realized that I shouldn't just be purchasing a little Barbie house for my kids or you know those things are good and those things are needed as well but then also thinking about what are they going to keep what's actually going to what are they going to care about in five years are they going to be keeping these things um and then to actually use them with them so that they have if the barbie house is something that we need to buy then we buy it but we also i need to be there and use it and not just watch them enjoy it as you were talking i was thinking about that that country song uh you know I hope you get the chance to live like oh, you were dying. <laughs> the I hope you dance, right? That, um, oh, that one's a good one, too. Oh. But the one, I hope you get the chance to live like you are dying. Okay. And that's a pretty cheesy song. But whenever it comes on the radio, occasionally, it's kind of an old old. Yeah, one. yeah. I think it's it's a really good thing for all of us to take a step back sometimes and recognize that we are finite, or at least in this life, mm-hmm. and that we don't have an endless amount of days with our loved ones. So I appreciate, again, those words, because I know that I have, I have tended sometimes to be too busy and failed to even just look my children in the eyes, because it's just so crazy. But remembering that that it's it's those small things, spending the time with them and letting them know that they are loved. Going to school and spending time one-on-one at lunch or reading. So thank you for that reminder. We all need it sometimes in this fast-paced, crazy world that we're living in. When I think of your situation, I see the serious challenge posed for you as you're contemplating, again, a, perhaps an earlier end of this life, but also for your husband, Chase, the one left behind. How is Chase coping? And how has your relationship with him bolstered you in the last two years? Um, when I was first diagnosed, um, he was there for everything. He, he came to every appointment. He would not let me go with a friend or a family member. It was just him. He was 100% my caretaker. Um, and I guess I just didn't realize it until it was happening. Or later on after it was happening. Because it just... You're in such a whirlwind when you first get this kind of news. They plan out everything. You get phone calls from imaging... And they tell you what you can pick between, you know, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. What do you want? It's like, well, that day doesn't work. Well, that's the only day we have. So you're just kind of forced and you you just go through these motions and you haven't met your doctor yet until you get all these different scans done and testing. And then you're there and meeting him and just trying to 
understand what the game plan is and it's just quite a whirlwind and then there's Chase there just standing me and holding my sweaty clammy hands from all these new needle pokes and and I just like I was just a disaster of a person at the time I was just sweating through every outfit that I put on the stress was out of control and he was just the one constant um, stabilizing thing in my life that he was always going to be there. He was never going to flinch. He was always going to be uh, my rock. And so ever since that first week, I guess it was three weeks of testings before we met the doctor. And then it was a month after I got diagnosed that I started my first round of chemo. Um, and I do want to mention, I, this goes with Chase, um, I remember that we showed up in the waiting room, and you show up, you do labs to make sure that your levels are fine to be able to get the chemo treatment. Then you meet with the doctor, you tell him um, anything that's changed, any new questions you might have, um, just to see if you've already had treatment, how last time the last round went, and then you go to walk back into the infusion room. Um, and that room is one of the holiest rooms I've ever been in. Um, I remember that first day it was just kind of rough because they were behind schedule. I showed up on time. You know, getting in the car was pretty difficult, but we, we showed up on time. And we get there, and then we have to wait about an hour to even get back and get get started with um, my my wonderful new port. I named her Kathy, which was a terrible name. And she got pulled out. Um, during surge when they removed the dead tumor in May of 18. Um, so I've got a new one who never got renamed. Anyways, so as we're walking back into that holy infusion room, um, I've got Chase holding my hand, my sweaty, clammy hand, trying to pull me along. And then I also had, um, some hands behind my back. They were pushing me forward and making me put one foot in front of the other. And I could just feel all these heavenly unseen angels behind me guiding me back to my seat and then I had these wonderful angel nurses that were there constantly supporting me and asking what else they can do and it was just a room of so many so much prayer so much love and support and appreciation and connections with God so it was just a really uh, wonderful experience to have with Chase and just him. Um, and then we fast forward to um, August 13th of 2018. And, you know, we were so excited. We were going into this appointment, ready to hear, you know, we're good. We're going to get a scan in six months. And then we're going to, you know, just go from there. But instead, um, the news was it's back and it's now in your lungs. Um, and so that first week was really, really rough for both of us. Um, but I can say that we grew together faster and stronger than we ever had before. I think we grew together, our relationship grew probably 10 years in one week. We went through some experiences together that um, were so special and precious to both of us that we just 
aged really fast and it wasn't a lot of fun to go through some of those experiences. But in the circumstances that we were facing, they were definitely necessary. We discussed quite a few just different things um, pertaining to what you would talk about when you're 60 or 70 with your spouse. Um, discussing things about, well, the kids, what, what would the kids need? And I told him that I want to have a tombstone that is a bench so that the kids can sit on the bench and talk to their mom in the ground if that's what they want to do. And he took it that I wanted the bench on top of him, but I meant at the top of the both of the <laughs> graves. But anyways, um, we just grew really fast and went through some changes in our relationship that shouldn't happen um, with just 10 years of marriage. These things should have happened in 20 or 30 years. But I'm grateful for them because we were able to become more unified, become more understanding of one another. I think that the longer that you're with somebody, the more open you are, the more you're able to share some of those sacred experiences that you have in your younger years and that you can um, kind of understand more. Some of the situations that we'd been through, we were able to discuss and see God's love for us and his preparations that he had been giving us throughout all these years without us understanding or knowing what he's doing. So we've been through quite a bit of spiritual experiences together that have helped us develop um, ourselves as a person and to develop our relationship and understand one another better than we could have ever without having this kind of a situation in our lives. Chase is awesome. <laughs> as, as I've seen you and Chase uh, periodically over the last two years, I'm always floored by the fact that the first thing I see is a smile on both of your faces. That's, that's a miracle in and of itself, I think. And I'm sure you don't always feel like smiling, but it's a blessing to those who are with you that you still smile through these, these hard things. So I'm certain you and many others have been consistently praying for a miracle for your cancer to be healed because we know that that's possible. We see, we read in scripture all the time these miraculous healings. I couldn't help but think though of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as I was preparing for this interview when they were told that they must serve the pagan gods or be burned. They expressed assurance that their God would deliver them. But then they said, but if not, we will still not serve thy gods. They knew their God could deliver them. But their trust in God was so complete that they could accept an alternative, less desirable outcome with their faith and their obedience to God still intact. And so I wonder for you how you have balanced your will, which is to be healed, with God's will, which may or may not include the miracle that you're hoping for. 
it's just been interesting looking back on the different experiences that I've been able to have with cancer and seeing that some of those were in fact miracles, even though I didn't see them as such at the time. Um, in meeting with my doctor, he has said things like, oh, you can still do that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I can. I can still play with my kids and I can still run around outside. And he's like, well, okay, just, you know, don't push yourself too hard. Um, and then I'll end up seeing him at the gym and he's like, you're here. You just had treatment two days ago. Yeah, but, you know, this is, I need my body to work right. This is something that's important to me. So I think that some of the miracles might not be the overarching, the whole thing of wanting to stay on this earth longer than maybe Heavenly Father wants me to, or that I need to. Um, But I think it's in the little miracles that you can start to see the bigger picture and seeing that he's let my body function stronger and better because I am taking care of it and am putting more of a a focused effort um but that it might not be to be completely healed but it might be to be healed in different smaller aspects of my life and also the miracles could also be just bringing together different family members and it might not be any miracle that is directly for me but it was because of me, some of these different miracles from different relationships that I've had with friendships and and family members and whatever else, that maybe there's been miracles that have happened for them and not for me. But it's in my suffering that they're able to see some of the joy in their lives and fix some of the problems and see some of the miracles that God has in store for them. Well, thank you, Charlotte. This, I feel like this has been a sacred space as we've been talking. And if you can't tell as you're listening to this, we've both been crying and sniffling through this. <laughs> we've had to pause and get tissue a couple of times. This is a hard thing, a very hard thing. And your life has been turned upside down in the last two years. Why are you still rowing and choosing faith in the restored church of Jesus Christ? I have five of my favorite people counting on me. I feel like giving up on myself is giving up on them. They're not second best. They don't come after my career pursuits, my goals, and my dreams. Those five people are my goals and my dreams. Um, I do have plenty of other plans and things to do with my life, but they all center around my husband and my four children. If there's anything I want to teach them with this life-term, I mean long-term health issue, It would be to not give up. The doctor might see a finite end to this, but even if that is the truth, there is something to be said in the determination of it all. If I had given up back in November of 17 and said forget it, no needles on this body, because that was my biggest fear, um, was actually being diabetic. I, I think that fear started around 12 when I saw kids having to go to the, the nurses, what a, and, the front office to the nurse to get their shots for the diabetes. I thought that would be the worst thing in the world, and I would not want to live with that. Um, but I'm pretty sure I would trade cancer for diabetes right now. Um, and I never, ever thought that that would be the case. But I have the support of this whole community. There's so much unity and peace that has been brought to our family by sharing with this with others and not suffering on our own. 
Um, Chase's family and my family have both pitched in. Neighbors help clean my house. Friends are constantly supporting us with meals. They keep us going, and I'm not giving up on them either. I hope they know that the strength they bring to me in rowing forward to put my energy to my favorite five instead of doing some of the chores that stay-at-home moms do to keep their families and homes functioning, that I can spend that time with my kids, reading more books, playing more, watching them in their activities, instead of vacuuming my floors and making a nice meal for them. We've been blessed with so much good, and I want to give back too, but in a very different way. I hope that in seeing me still row, people can realize that they're able to as well. There's nothing stopping them. If it is something mental-related, get help. The best version of you, it needs to be there. And so there's no reason to, to let that stop you. Physical health and spiritual health, it's just all connected. And we need to find ways to lift each other up and help each other conquer the different mountains that we each have in our life. Um, cancer's been quite the mountain to, to climb. It's been difficult, um, but a lot more manageable with all this unity and support and faith and prayers. It's really easy to become lost. Life wasn't made to be easy. Um, Heavenly Father wants us to come here to learn and grow. And there's no way that we're able to grow if we're just walking through beautiful meadows and enjoying some wonderful streams for our toes. I am thankful for those wonderful wandering moments, being able to see the beauty of the earth. But you're also not able to see how much you've grown and accomplished if you're not ever able to be tested and tried by climbing up those mountains. You only can see where you've come from by being on the top of that mountain and seeing how much you've accomplished. One of the wonderful parts about going through different trials is getting the empathy for others and being able to understand that although they're not going through cancer, they're going through something completely different, that you can also step back and understand the pains that they might be going through and see their trials through their eyes. And it's also okay to have a faith crisis. It allows you to know what you really do know and understand much more about God and how much He loves you. He is there. He loves you and He cares for you more than you realize. He is always there, but we also have to ask for help to get Him to be more involved in our lives. He sends in armies of angels that we can see and armies of angels that we can't. But if we keep looking for the good, we will be able to keep climbing and being able to accomplish the different things we have in store for us. Without faith, it'd be very hard to row. I'm very grateful for all the good that God has placed in my life. I'm grateful for my five, for my husband Chase, and for my wonderful children Lux, Zane, Zoe, and Pippa. They're the ones that pray for me daily, that I can hear them, and that they ask for the doctors to keep doing what they're doing, and the treatments to keep working, and for their mom to keep being strong. And I know that it's because of their prayers and the faith of those around us that we've been able to continue to row and to be able to put one foot in front of the other on those difficult days, but also to remember that this is helping us become our best self and without these different hardships that we would still just be a puddle of mush and this is the only way to make us stronger. So although this is difficult, it's something that has to happen and I don't think I would trade it for anything else. Thank you so much for being with me today because you've got a lot of stuff you want to be doing. <laughs> so I feel privileged. 
And your testimony has and will continue to bless many lives. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. The views expressed here are not necessarily the views of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor is this podcast affiliated with the church. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to receive updates on future episodes. You can submit comments or questions at stillrowing.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.